What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. How far would you go to keep your man? And what would you do if he don't want you no more? If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Our players this week are Eddie Soul, our victim, Talisha Hunt, our accomplice, and Jatan Wheeler, our murderess. Jatan Helen Wheeler was born on January 13th, 1984. Here we go. It's another case where we don't really have much about her upbringing, her life, her family, anything like that. But what we do know was that when she was around 18, 19 years old, she gave birth to her first child. Now, digging into her background as much as we could, we saw that she really didn't have many violations. Like, like back in 2011, she was evicted because she was living in Duluth, Illinois. But according to the public records, 17 days after the eviction was put forth, it was settled. By the time that this story begins, and Jatana's 29 years old, she has three children at the time. And the welfare for her children actually had become a topic of interest to authorities because apparently one time she was talking to somebody and she was telling them that she just was tired and all this other stuff and that she planned on taking her three kids and dropping them off at the hospital and leaving. I mean, it's a safe space, so you're, you're allowed to drop the kids off. But also, like, why are you trying to drop your kids off? Why are you trying to leave them? So CPS, they come to her house, and they're trying to, you know, do a welfare check, see how everything is around the house. She refuses to cooperate. No, you can't come in here. My children are fine. No, you're not. I don't consent to any of this. And so she actually had a hearing for December of 2013 because of this alleged thing that she said. Like we said, she has three children, and at some point she started dating a man named Eddie Soleil. Soul Soleil? Um, now, I'm not sure when this relationship started, but they did start living together. And Now, Eddie is about 20 years older than Jatan. So she's 29. I think he's like 53. And he and her decide that they're going to move in together. So it's her, it's him, it's her three kids. He has a child of his own, but remember, he's much older than her. So his child is grown-grown. And the relationship, obviously, like, I think it always starts this way. Like, with all of our stories and all of the ID channels, it started off really good. And they loved each other. And it was strong until it wasn't. And the arguing started. And they were going back and forth, bickering about any and every little thing to the point where Eddie was getting tired of that shit. So, it's July 31st, and Eddie's on the phone with one of his friends, GJ. And he's like, yo, Jatan is acting crazy. We done got into a little argument or whatever. She done scratched me up. She just wilding everything. I'm done with this shit. I'm going back to Chicago. And he's like, oh, yeah, bro. He was like, yeah, man, I got my ticket for the first. I'm not doing this no more. Like, I'm too old for this shit. My man's 58 years old. He ain't got time. And she 
what, 29 at the time? He ain't got time for this. It's young shit. That's what they call it at that age. That young shit. He ain't got time for it. So I guess something happens in the middle of this phone call, and it goes from, like, this casual conversation to, I got my ticket for the first. I'm going to call you back. I got to talk to you later. Bye. Now, it was no secret that they argued or whatever. Neighbors even saw them arguing in their driveway that same day. The argument continues, and Eddie is driving Jatan's car, and he pulls over at a school parking lot for whatever reason. Is he picking up her kids? Was this just the closest place for him to park the car and get this off of his chest? Who knows? But he's just loud yelling on the phone. Now, this phone call is so loud that somebody called the police about a disturbance of a loud phone conversation being held. So the police come over there, and they're like, listen, we're getting complaints that there's a large argument on the phone. You're on school property. What's the problem here? Eddie's like, yo, just my home life is crazy. I'm sorry for the noise. Me and my girl done got into it or whatever, but it's all going to be good because I'm about to head back to Chicago. Now, this all checks out because my man's got a duffel bag in the car. He's ready to go, okay? The police sees it, like, oh, okay, this checks out. It's good. Right. So even though you're yelling on a public school campus, you probably just shouldn't. Yeah, just maybe just calm down and do keep it. it pushing, bro. But I also get it. Like, I have been so angry that I had to be like, if I don't pull over at the clear at the nearest space, I'm gonna crash this car. Like, <laughs> we're all gonna die. I just keep driving. And if we That's all die, then you should have thought about that before you pissed me off. Mm -hmm. Your sister has told me about you driving while angry. (laughs) Now, this interaction with Jatan and Eddie, the neighbor seeing it, the friend overhearing it, the cop being involved, all of this was the last known sighting of Eddie's soul. Now, the next day, Jatan's friend comes into town. She took the little mega bus down. Boy. I used to love me some Megabus. But Girl, I used to take the Megabus to and from college. I used to take it to Knoxville, and then they stopped doing that shit. I used to take it to and from Montgomery to Atlanta all the time. <laughs> Miss Talisha Nakia Hunt, Jatan's friend, she gets on the bus on August 1st. She's coming from Duluth and ends up in Minneapolis to see her friend. Apparently, word on the street is Talisha came to visit her friend during a real bad time because things were mighty rocky in this household, right? Reports say on or around July 1st he died, but I'm thinking it's at least August 1st because Talisha was definitely at least a witness, right? She goes in his household, and it is not sweet over here. Niggas is arguing and fussing, and things get a bit out of control. Eddie is in there yelling and huffing and puffing. It's over. We're over. I'm not doing this shit no more. You hitting me and all this. Now, if I hit you back, I'm wrong, right? I'm just going to leave. I'm going back to Chicago. I want nothing to do with your ass no more. I'm done. Jatan is getting pissed, okay? She don't like this shit. Just in a fit of rage, I'm sure she's just throwing shit, grabbing shit. And somehow, the rod from her closet that holds the clothes ends up in her hand. And somehow it makes its way 
to just start swinging uncontrollably in her hand, right? To the point where it's just, like, knocking Eddie upside the head repeatedly. She's going so hard on Eddie right now. Like, I'm pretty sure nobody or nothing could stop her. She hit him so hard that this stick that she's beating him with broke in half. And eventually, Eddie stops fighting back. As a matter of fact, he stops moving altogether. And Jatan is kind of like, uh-oh, I think he's dead. So instantly she starts thinking, racing, what do I do? I got to get this body out of here. I got to clean this up. I got to do something. I got to do something. Now, to make matters worse, her kids were home at the time of the murder. And as wild as this was, they heard it. And two of them may have even witnessed it. So the first thing Jatan's trying to do is, of course, get rid of his body. And her girl, Talisha's there, help her out, right? So they both wrap his body up in plastic and seal it together with duct tape. A few days pass, and they're like, okay, this body sitting out ain't going to work. Shit's getting funky. We got to do something with it. So on August 5th, Jatan and Talisha hit up the local Sears in Minnetonka to go buy a deep freezer. Y'all know them long deep freezers that you keep in the garage, keep your meat in? When Absolutely. <laughs> when and picked them up, one of them brought it back to the house. Once they get it in the house, they put Eddie's body, which is still wrapped in plastic and taped up, so they put him in the freezer, they put a Christmas decoration box on top of it, and then they move two mattresses, two old mattresses in front of it as to, like, kind of hide the freezer or whatever. So, of course, at this point, they're both sitting there like, okay, I think we did a good job. I think we got away with it. Next thing you know, they have to get rid of Eddie's wallet. And Jatan pulls out Eddie's debit card and is like, here, girl, here, Talisha, you take this debit card, do what you got to do with it, thanks for all of your help, and see you later. Talisha leaves, and she goes back to Duluth. And Jatan is like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. So back in Chicago, Eddie's family is like, it's been a while. And he was very adamant that he was coming home. He was upset. He was very adamant that he was coming home. He said that he got a ticket. He's, we were waiting to pick him up, and we haven't heard from him in days. So much to the point that they hit up Jatan on the phone. Hey, girl, have you seen Eddie? She's like, mm-mm, I ain't seen Eddie. You know, we broke up. And he said he wanted to do with me, so he said he was coming to Chicago. I took him to the bus station, just like we said. And so his family's like, that's really weird because he didn't arrive. So Eddie's brother is like, you know what? I'm not going to be sitting here lollygagging. He was supposed to be here. He was really supposed to be here on the 1st. You saying that he you dropped him off at the bus station on the 3rd. So... Where is my brother? He comes down and he decides he's going to go straight to the police. So it's August 13th. He goes and tells the police everything that happens. And really, you guys, like, listen, a missing person case for a 53-year-old black man that has free will and no, like, mental health concerns is pretty much a case that a lot of police departments do not take seriously because you're a grown man. You have free will. There's really nothing to be concerned about. But I don't know if Detective, this lady, Detective Olsen, I don't know if she had an extra cup of coffee that morning. I don't know what she did, but just something 
about what Eddie's brother was saying just didn't sit right in her gut. Like she said, her gut was just telling her something went right. So on the 13th, when her brother, when on the 13th, when Eddie's brother files the missing persons report, they decided that they're going to roll up at Jatons just to, you know, see, hey, just, you know, every beginning questioning. Jatan tells them the same thing. Haven't seen him. He said that he was going to leave me. I took him to the bus station. He's supposed to be with y'all. Haven't heard from him. Don't know where he is. Again, Detective Olsen was like, oh, something about this isn't right. Like, I don't think this is the run-of-the-mill missing person case. I don't know what it is. But something's not right. And so, and one of the other things that was crazy was that the detective was like, okay, well, do you have a number for him? Do you have an address? Do you have anywhere that he said he was going? She was like, I don't have any of that information. I don't have anything. Like, like I said, we broke up. And it's really weird because I have been on and off again. I've broken up and gotten back together. I've broken up, period. I'm at least know your very next move. <laughs> I may not know all your moves, but I know your very next move. And I damn sure got your number. First, so the detective, Detective Olsen, is like, you know what? Something about this isn't right. Like, we pulled up, and Jatan saw Eddie's brother. She almost was trying to leave, but Eddie's brother blocked her in. And then she was being real evasive, you know, not knowing the address. So the detective was like, listen, we're going to keep digging deeper, but I'm going to go ahead and start the paperwork on getting a warrant to search her house. Like, I don't have much, but I'm going to start getting the paperwork rolling so that we can figure out what's going on. We can help you find your brother. And when the detective was talking about this later, she was like, quote, it was just weird. Like, you would think if you broke up with somebody and they moved out and the police shows up to your house and their family is saying that they haven't heard from him, you'd be a little concerned. You would want to cooperate. And it, it just didn't happen. I mean, it just wasn't the appropriate response. And I feel that, like, yes, this may be your ex, but y'all just broke up and y'all are out of a very tumultuous relationship. If in reality that he is gone, you're going to be concerned. You just are, at least to some degree. And also, like, a lot of breakups, it takes a while to get to the final stage. Like, even if you go, it's going to be a, oh, baby, I miss you. There's no, I, I don't no, believe there's ever been a clean break. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think it exists. I don't think it exists. Not if you've been dating for some time. Correct. So a couple of days later, now we're at August 15th. So all that conversa initial conversation with her happened on the 13th. We're at the 15th. And the police decide that they're going to go out and they're going to canvass the area. They go around. Hey, have you seen this man? Have you seen anything suspicious? And a neighbor of theirs is like, oh, yeah, I know him. I just saw about two weeks ago him and his old lady was outside yelling about something serious. Like, they was going in on each other. They was arguing, 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 man. It's crazy. Everybody saw it. Like, <laughs> we could see it outside of our window. They was going to wild. And police are like, okay, that's really interesting. They go to Jatan. They tell her, hey, this, this neighbor said that they saw you and Eddie arguing a couple weeks ago. Do you want to tell me about that? And Jatan is like, well, yeah, I told you guys that we just broke up. Like, like Taz and I just said, there's no such thing as a clean break. Like, we were arguing. If we were all peaches and cream, then we wouldn't have broken up. <laughs> so, yeah, we were arguing. That's, we're, we were a couple going through it. Now, while they were investigating this case, you have to also realize the area. Here in South Lake Minnetonka, there's not a whole heap of crime. According to the chief, of the police department in 2013, they had not had a homicide in like 10 years. 
But you know, even though this police force was small, they were mighty and they were quite determined. So they decided to look into Eddie's records, look at his bank statements, and they noticed that his debit card was used. Yep, it was used at an ATM in Harvey, Illinois. And in that transaction, somebody pulled out $82. So the transactions were made on August 10th. Shortly after, the detectives find his wallet up in North Minneapolis in an alley, and everything is in it except for his debit card. His EBT card is there, his social security card is there, his license, everything except for his debit card. Throughout this time, Jatan is, you know, still planning and scheming, and she's like, gotta make sure my kids are straight, whatever goes down. Like, police have already started knocking at my door. So she has somebody, we don't know who, take her kids somewhere, we don't know where, and kind of hid them away for a bit. She was like, I don't want my kids to be stuck in the system. Like, I'm going to need time to figure some things out, and you you hold them down in the process. Now, Detective Olsen finally gets that search warrant signed, and she heads back to Jatan's house. She comes back here, and Jatan says, again, have not seen or heard from Eddie since I put him on that mega bus on August 3rd. And the police are like, well, we're going to come inside here and see what we can figure out for ourselves, okay? So they look around. There's a little trash here and there. And now, initially, they didn't find any male clothing, any of Eddie's personal effects, nothing like that. They go into the bedroom, and they start looking under the mattress, and they see two pieces of carpet rolled up. Now, this carpet did not match any other carpet in the home, but it did look like it was soaked with a blood-like substance. So they start to look around in a closet, and they're like, hmm, there's no closet rod hanging up in here, but there is one on the floor. And it's now broken into two pieces. They're looking in the kitchen, and underneath the microwave, it looks like a bag of trash, but instead it has clothes and shoes with bloodstains on them. They also find Talisha Hunt's EBT card. And they're like, hmm, we didn't know about anybody named Talisha living here. What's our card doing here? They put that in their back pocket, and they keep on looking. Now, they're looking at this blood spatter under the bed in this carpet, and they're like, hmm, Wonder if there's more. Now, I don't know if it was blatant blood or if they had to turn the lights off due to the whole UV thing. Um, but the blood spatter led them to the garage. They go in the garage and in the back corner behind two mattresses under a box of Christmas decorations. What do you know? There's a freezer. Not only is it a freezer, it's a brand new freezer. So take the shit off the freezer. They open it up. And here we have... Eddie's body wrapped in plastic, sealed with duct tape. The police are like, um, what's this? And Jatan's like, mm-hmm. They're like, listen, you're going to have to come down to the station and answer some questions. They informed Jatan that she's now a person of interest in a murder investigation. And along with her, they take some evidence, which includes the rod from the closet, some sandals with some blood on it, and... The frozen body. At the time, 
they did not disclose the name of the body. They was like, he cannot truly be identified, whatever, whatever. But everybody has a pretty good idea of who this is. We're looking for Eddie. Right. And Eddie used to live here. Eddie's gone missing. Now there's a freezer. I mean, now there's a body in your freezer. You know, we're we're really waiting on semantics at this point. So Right. They just couldn't officially name him because you know you have to be officially identified through either a family member or dental records or something like that so they will his body out of there neighbors say they saw him in a sitting position so once mm-hmm, he gets mm-hmm. to the medical examiner's office they're like hmm we can't quite do something like this so although they recovered the body on the 21st. The autopsy report was not ready until August 24th because they had to let his body thaw out before they could complete an investigation on him. The police leave the house with one question burning in their mind. Where are her kids? Are they safe? Were they wrapped up in this type of drama? Are they alive? Like, where are the missing children? So the autopsy report did not come out until Saturday, August 24th, even though they picked up the body on the 21st. Thawing him out slowed the investigation down just a bit, but once he was done, they got right on it. They discovered that his clothes were heavily soaked with blood and that he had blunt force trauma injuries to his face and head, which included cuts on his eyes on the left side of his head. He also had a contusion on both of his upper arms, which were def- and defensive wounds on the back of his hands, and hemorrhaging in the muscles of his neck. So it's very clear he's putting his arms up to defend himself. He's getting hit in the head and on the arms and all that stuff. Um, they also tested the rod that they found on the closet and saw that it was positive for blood ha- be- having been on it. So this case is tying itself together, you know. On Monday, August 26th, Chan was formally charged with the second-degree murder of Eddie without premeditation. Jatan made her first court appearance on Tuesday, August 27th for her bond hearing, and her bond was set at $2 million. She was sent to Hennepin County Jail to await her fate. Now, news outlets are still helping the police search high and low for Jatan's children. Again, they're frantic. We don't know where these children are. Who knows what these children have seen, what they've been through. We're just trying to make sure that they're safe, right? At the bond hearing, Eddie's family shows up and they are standing ten toes down for Eddie. Eddie's daughter, Keisha Matthews, said straight up to the news sources, I want to make sure that Jatan never sees the light of day again. So on the next day, that's Wednesday, August 28th, police actually locate the children. Don't know where they found them. Don't know who they were with. It's never been disclosed to the public. But they find the children and they take them in. Their three children, ages 10, 8, and 7, were placed in protective custody in Hennepin County. Now, the police did talk to the children. They wanted to make sure they were okay and get some clarity about this entire situation. Turns out, two of the three children saw the entire thing. The police were shocked. (laughs) Like, this was not what they were expecting. And so they were just asking the children some questions, and they pulled out those sandals that, remember, they found at the 
house. And they were like, are these your mom's sandals? And they were like, no, that's not our mom's sandals. Those sandals belong to Talisha. And the police were like, Talisha, Talisha, Talisha. Oh, Talisha is the person that was on that EBT card. So who's Talisha? And they were like, well, Talisha was there when everything happened. And we saw mommy and her friend holding Eddie down while mommy was hitting him and was beating him with a stick. Mommy was beating him and beating him and beating with him with the stick until he stopped moving. This is, of course, shell-shocking to the police. They let the children go to the protective custody that they're in, and they keep investigating. And they decide that it's time to start looking into that freezer a little bit deeper. You know, that brand spanking new freezer. And so since it was brand spanking new, it took nothing for them to find the exact Sears that it came from. They go to Sears, they pull the security cameras, and what do you know, on August 5th, they can see clear as day, Jatan and Talisha buying the freezer. They look a little further, they're like, okay, so Jatan and Talisha, let's look a little, you know, let's see where Talisha is. Let's see what she's about. Turns out that ATM that withdrew that $85 from Eddie's account is like two blocks away from Talisha's house. And so they're like, okay, we need to look even further into into Talisha. Where was she? Was she in town? Was she in Duluth when his um, ATM was pulled out? Was she in Minneapolis during the time of this crime? Do we have concrete evidence? Absolutely we do, because the Marta bus keeps their records. And the Marta bus records show that Talisha traveled from Duluth to Minneapolis on August 1st, like we said. And then on August 7th, remember the freezer was bought on the 5th, on August 7th, she went from Minneapolis back to Chicago. And then from Chicago, she stayed, I think, like a month or something in Chicago. Which, And then she went down to Duluth, which really could be less than that because Duluth and Chicago are really not far from each other. She went to Chicago and then went back home to Duluth. So they're like, okay, let's go ahead and get us a search warrant and see what we can find. They get a search warrant for Talisha's house. They go to Duluth to to her house on September 19th. And what do you know? They find Eddie's debit card inside of her wallet. They bring her in. They have an interview with her. And she's like, um, well, yeah, I did see that they were having a fight. Those two, they were very tumultuous. And, you know, Jatan, I saw them get so badly into a fight that Jatan started beating him with, like, I don't know what it was, like a stick or something. Like, Jatan was beating her with, Jatan was uh, beating him with a stick, and he stopped moving. And then, you know, she asked me for help. I didn't, I was trying to help my girl out, so I helped her clean up the carpet. I was with her when she bought the freezer and helped her install everything to get the body inside, but I didn't kill him, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just have, I was just having to be there. And police were like, yeah, 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 okay, so you're under arrest. She got arrested that same day, September 19, 2013, and she was now facing a charge of being an accomplice after the fact and you know, that charge can give you up to about 20 years in prison. She was put in jail and her bail was set for a million dollars. Now, Jatan tried to get a plea deal to plead guilty to manslaughter, but but the state refused. Now, two weeks before the trial on July 3rd of 2014, they're having their pre-trial hearing and the competency of her kids testifying comes into question. 
Her children are nine and 10 years old, and they're apparently a witness to this crime. And the prosecution is willing to put them on a stand to make their case if they have to. Now, at the hearing, the judge is like, listen, you guys gonna have to work something out. She says, quote, really like to see someone extend an offer and said that there were, quote, wins and losses on a lot of elements in this case. It's a pretty serious situation to have children of the defendant having to come to court and testify possibly against their own mother. You never know what the jury is going to do. On July 8th, the prosecutor, Judith Holly, tells the judge in an email, she cc'd the defense, and she was like, listen, we couldn't come to a plea agreement. She says, the state has offered to reduce the charge to second-degree unintentional murder with a prison sentence of 20 years. And Jatan comes back saying, I'll plead guilty to second-degree manslaughter, and y'all can give me eight years. The judge is like, first of all, Jatan, nobody's giving you eight years. It's just not something the court is willing to do. Given the facts, the court is aware of a plea to unintentional second-degree murder with a prison term the parties can agree with. Something on the low end, but up to 240 months, and maybe that's more realistic. (sighs) At this time, they can't figure anything out, so they go to trial. On July 14th, both parties recommend the same plea deal, and the judge is like, no, so I guess we're going to have to get to it. On July 16th, Jatan's children visit the courtroom to familiarize themselves with where they're going to have to testify. The judge and the counsel are present, but nobody else is in the courtroom, not the jury, not even Jatan. The judge speaks with the children, and she's like, yeah, I mean, you're confident, you're competent to testify, so I guess we're going to proceed with this trial. On the first day of trial, on Thursday, July 17th, 2014, Jatan's defense attorney opened the trial by admitting, yes, that Jatan did buy the freezer. She did. But, you know, Eddie's death wasn't intentional. She didn't wake up that day and say, oh, I think that I want to murder Eddie. Let me plan a way to do it. Her defense says that the two were in a fight. You ask anybody, they had a tumultuous relationship. And they got into it so bad that she was defending herself from him because he was the aggressor. And it wasn't just a fight between them. It was between them and a third party. So I'm assuming Talisha, but it was never said. You know what I'm saying? The judge, again, is like, okay. Hey, you guys, I just want to update from everybody. It's my understanding that we did get permission to have her plead guilty to unintentional second-degree murder or some range within that box, but the defendant declined. Is that correct? The defense is like, "Uh, man, yeah, I just, I need to talk to her a little bit more, get her to see the guidelines, you know. I just need her to look at the offer a little bit more over the weekend, really explain it to her. And they're like, okay, well, we need to know about the sentencing because it's going to be like 128 to 180 months if she goes ahead and does this. And they're like, uh, no, Jatan is like, mm, not having it. So the trial goes on to day two. The trial goes on to day two. It's Friday, July 18th. And on this day, 
you know, early trials. It's the police officers, the medical examiners, the EMTs that that come. They were on stand that day. And they talked about when they found Eddie's body in the freezer. They talked about finding Eddie's body in the freezer. They bring the freezer into court so the jury actually sees the real freezer that was used. It's starting to get more and more intense, you know, as the days go on. Again, the state is like, listen, on Monday, court is about to end on Friday, and the state is like, listen, come Monday, there will be pictures of Eddie's dead body, and we will be asking witnesses to look at the pictures of the dead body. Hint, hint, your children are coming on the stand, and they are going to testify, meaning that if they testify, they will be seeing these photographs of this man's deceased body. But no worries, you know, we're going to give you another, we're going to give you the idea, we're going to give you the opportunity to take this plea. If you take this plea, your kids don't have to see dead bodies. They don't have to testify because court will be over, right? So on Saturday, July 19th, Jatan's defense counsel comes to her. Her defense counsel um, is Nancy, Nancy Lascaris and Sama Yarni. And they're like, listen, they sat with her for a couple of hours and they were like, listen, we just feel... And the judge also feels very strongly about resolving this case outside of the courtroom. They're really worried about the children. The physical evidence, like, honestly, girl, the freezer was found in your garage. The blood was found found underneath your bed. The shoes were found underneath your microwave. It's really giving that you did it. Like, the evidence is stacked up against you. Do you want to be in a position where the evidence is stacked up against you and then on top of that, you knowingly traumatized your kids in the process? Like, it's it's really, go- we're worried. And the judge also has a heart and is really trying to make sure that the kids don't have to stand trial. And I mean, at this point, like, the kids have already been talking to counsel. They've been talking to therapists. They have been practicing for being on trial, but it's nothing compared to when you actually are standing in front of the jury, sitting, sitting and being sworn in at, freaking like 10 Mm -hmm. and one of the other things that they told her was like listen it's all fine and dandy right because you're sitting here on this side but if you plead guilty we can always figure out what the sentence is going to be you go to trial and you get found guilty they're throwing the book at you straight up and especially they're going to throw the book at you because of the fact that the children testified so which one do you really want to do she thinks about it. She thinks about it, and she's like, okay, I will plead guilty. So they leave, and Jatan's defense attorneys and the prosecution get together, and they spend the weekend figuring out what the terms of her guilty plea will be. So it is Monday, the beginning of a new week and a new day of trial, but trial does not begin because on Monday, July 21st, Jatan agrees to plead guilty to the amended charge of aiding and abetting second-degree unintentional murder in exchange for the party's agreement to request sentencing within the guidelines and range of 128 to 180 months. This is, I mean, this is a good deal. I'm not going to lie. Like, she really held out. This is a good deal. And her sentencing is scheduled for August 21st. Now, prosecutors are, they're trying to get the max. They want 15 years in prison, straight up. At this point, under Minnesota law, this is the maximum that you can get. And I really think that, like, I have to look, think about his family, and of course they wanted her to get more, so to go to trial and to fi- be found guilty, she's going to get a larger sentence. But I think everybody 
was trying to look at the children and the fact that, A, they witnessed it, they have very keen details, and they were going to have to be traumatized and relive this forever. And you're going to remember. At 10, you're going to remember. At 8, you're going to remember this for the rest of your life. So um, the court attorney, Mike Freeman, then says to the news, quote, by pleading guilty, it spares her children and she will still do significant time in prison, end quote. At the sentencing hearing, which happened a month later, the district court imposed a 172-month prison sentence. So this is about 14.3 years. Um, During the sentencing hearing, the district court stated that she was um, very apprehensive for everybody to come to an agreement. Like, she really wanted to take that shit to trial because of her apprehension. She was honestly being selfish, and the children were suffering because of her actions. The prosecutor also said during the sentencing hearing that they were very thankful that the children did not have to testify. They stated that Jatan gave up her right to trial in order to protect her children. I'm not completely sure if that's the reason why she did it, but it's a nice spin on the story. The state charged Jatan with intentional second-degree murder, which has a presumptive 306-month guideline sentence with a person with no criminal history. So even though they were seeking... 306, like I said, she got 170, 172 months in prison. So after sitting there for some time, Detan comes to the conclusion that she doesn't want to be in prison anymore and decides to file for an appeal. In this appeal, her main argument is that she was forced to take a plea deal. She's like, listen, the judge improperly injected herself into plea negotiations before and during trial. And she basically coerced me to take a plea. She kept saying, your kids, your kids, your kids. And I felt pressure to take a plea. And so this plea should be null and void because I can't take a plea under coercion, right? The judge looks at this and she's like, girl, ain't nobody coerce you. You're staying in jail. And she pushes for it to be re-reviewed by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court accepts this case, and they're like, okay, let's dig into it, and let's see what makes a plea deal valid and not valid, right? They're saying, you're correct. The the judge cannot improperly involve herself in in plea bargains. She's not supposed to be a part of that negotiation. But it was like, was she a little inappropriate? Yes, but she did not suggest an agreement. She gave y'all like a range that would be acceptable, but she did not suggest or negotiate on behalf of anybody. And so, small potatoes. Um, Were you coerced? No, because you too stated that you did not want to put your kids through this. So you felt your own pressures of trying to keep your kids out the courts. Then they said, well... Even still, if there is, like, this coercionist pressure, it's not all the way voluntary. I was improperly pressured. And they're like, at the end of the day, girl, the plea that you got during trial was better than the plea that was offered you pre-trial. So you ended up with a better deal. I don't think that you were wronged in any way. The judge might have overstepped it a little, but she did not coerce you. She did not negotiate on anybody's behalf. And we're just, we're going to tell you, no. We're going to stick to the decision on the court. 
And on January 23rd of 2017, they decided that she was going to stay her ass right there. Um, now, as hard as I looked, I could not find anything else about Talisha. Don't know how much time she got. Don't know what jail she ended up to. Maybe she got off scot-free. Who knows? Haven't heard from the girl since. But Jatan is set to be released on December 20th of 2027, which is upon us. It's going to be here before you know it. That's crazy. I mean, like, she's almost it out. It happened, what? She's almost out. Like, that happened when we were in high school, and she's about to be out of prison. No, so it happened after we graduated. That's not enough time. Oh, my gosh. You're right. We It did. It happened in 2013. I was in college. And she is about to be out. Happened while I was in college. So either I'm old or that's a Listen, long, I might be old, but I ain't sentence. that damn old. You know what I'm saying? Like, I only had a high school diploma. Now I got two degrees, but I still ain't that old. So, yeah, I think, I think she walked away with a sweet deal and she might want to chill before she get worse. No, she better be telling the Lord she's grateful. You better back down before you get smacked. Down, you better chill. Very much. Um, have you have you heard the song Kill Bill? Mm-hmm. I know you have. It's on the playlist that everybody in the discussion group made. They made this awesome, this awesome playlist. And you sang I it just all during my checks. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Rather be in jail than alone. Which brings us to. Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. Oh, girl. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I mean, we could just... So many things. So many things. Friend, why? Why? The police came to her house on the 13th, right? So you already knew that they knew something was fucking fishy. Why, when they circle back around to you on the 21st, do you still got bloody clothes in the house? Do you still got... Right. Like, and then to follow up, Talisha. Homegirl has been arrested, locked up. They don't get to you till September. Why are you still holding on to my man's card? And you ain't even used it again. So why are you... You got $85 out that card and... Ain't used to since. Why do you still have it? Oh, sorry. I've been saying 85 this whole episode. $82. Excuse me. Why you got this, man? Like, girl, don't you know you don't want no trace bags? I ain't do it, but if I did, I just want to release everybody from being that couple. You don't want to be the couple that's arguing outside so the whole neighborhood can hear. Go inside. You don't want to be, like, everybody hears you. Think about it. Everybody, if you go on the internet right now, you can find somebody spying on their arguing-ass neighbors. I do it all the time because they're outside and they're loud. Don't let, don't be that person. Don't be that guy. And especially if you're going to commit a crime that day, things need to be nice, calm, cool, and collected at your house. I just, ugh, I do not want to be those niggas in the street yelling and screaming and arguing. Don't want to be it. Yeah. I don't, I don't PD nothing, so. (laughs) 
You ain't about to catch me arguing in these streets. Oh, PD nothing. Public display of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no PDA, no PD argue, no, nothing. You just exist. Yeah. It's my partner name. I ain't do it, but if I did, I would not have brought Jatan with me to buy the freezer that I was getting for her. Oh, yeah. Go get the freezer yourself. You know? You just made it that much easier for them to connect the dots. That's good. That's a good one. Um, I didn't do it, but if I did, I'm sorry. But if you and your man are beefing, you can tell me to stay home. I don't want to come over. I don't want to come over. I don't want to be a part of it. But you see, I don't think she was just coming for a visit. I think she said, girl, I don't I'm about know. to off this man. He want to leave me and he ain't. I, I think that she helped restrain him. And I was trying to see if in the medical exam there was any, like, rope wounds or belt wounds of them, like, tying him down. Because all of his defenses, all of his wounds are, like, mid-chest or mid back up Mm -hmm. in the back of his hands from defending himself. Mm -hmm. And one of the kids did say that they saw mommy's friend restraining. They didn't say restraining, but the therapist said it when when retelling what the child said, restraining him while mommy was beating him with a stick. So girl, you aren't very innocent. You just happened to get what? Do we know what happened to her? Well, who? Talisha? Yeah, what did she get? No idea. Can't find anything on her past she got bail. Girl. Or got got assigned a bail. Mm, I'm sure she pled guilty for something. Mm-hmm. But why would you invite me over for a murder? Like, oh, girl, I ain't seen you forever. Come over here for a murder. No. I ain't do it, but if I did... This is not how I would have showed up as a friend. Like, girl, if I can't, <laughs> if I commit the crime with you, <laughs> you get caught and I get caught. We ain't gonna be able to talk no more. So, in honor of our friendship, to guarantee that we will always be in contact, whether it's through them prison phones or not, because you can go down and I can still call you so long as I'm still free. I'll send you a, a phone card. You know. Let me be that friend to you. (laughs) Not the murdering friend. (laughs) The one who you can talk to after the fact. Because, like, your relationship is ruined at this point. You can't talk to her no more. Unless she's sneaking and breaking Mm -hmm. more rules. And at this point, I'm tired of breaking rules with you. They give me too much trouble. (laughs) I ain't do it, but if I did... If you know that you're arguing with this man and this man, you know, I'm sure that you know that he called his friend, probably call his family because they have to pick him up from the bus station. Like, you you know that he's been in contact with his family and that they are expecting him. Not a good time. Your timing was all off. You can't murder him when his family is literally expecting him in 24 to 48 hours. They're going to come looking. And also, like, if the man wants to go to Chicago, let him go. Bye. 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 It's a, with him leaving town, it's going to make him easier to get over. He ain't in your face all day. You ain't running into him at the grocery store or nothing. You I'm, know what I mean? I'm telling you, and I know that it's easier said than done. Trust me. I am your resident relationship junkie. 
But, like, I know that it's easier said than done. But some things just have, you got to do what you got to do to keep out of prison, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it means leave that person alone for real, for real. For real, for real. And let them go. The first time. The f- second time. <laughs> Russia, you get two chances at love. <laughs> now, behind bars, you might get one with her, but two chances at love. You know, you might get an extra chance if you get behind bars. <laughs> I ain't do it, but if I did, I'm not murdering somebody in front of my kids. At no point did you turn your head and see that your children were seeing you beat this man I ain't do it, but if I did, I'm not murdering somebody with my kids in the house. Unless it's true self-defense. Exactly. It's not happening. Because even if they don't see it, they hear it, it's just, no. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Parole or no parole? I mean, she don't need to get parole. She already got a short sentence. Just do your time. She got a short sentence. Girl, I would definitely give you a larger sentence. And if you went to trial, I know you would have gotten life. You really got out of this thing scot-free. And I feel like you deserve a lot more than 14 years. I'm not going to hold you, Buki, because you froze this man. You froze him. They t- they had to thaw him out like a turkey dinner. What? Like, girl, sit still and meditate. You could at least try to distress the freezer. Also, you could have tried to put food on top of him. They probably ain't fit nothing else in there. Yeah, you should have bought a bigger freezer. Sound like murder wasn't in your budget. You know what I found interesting? The more mm. I searched this man, Eddie Soul, the more I came upon an Eddie Soul Jr. who was murdered by the police, shot in the head. And it was also in this area. And I was like, is this his son? Oh, no. And then he, but I felt like they would have connected that story. When was his son killed? Either that same year or the following year. And I would like even type Eddie Soul 58, and they was like, Eddie Soul Jr. dies at 38. But there was there was information on Eddie Soul Jr., but nothing on Eddie Soul. I couldn't even find an obituary on his name. Mm. All right, that's the end of the show, friend. That's it. That's it. We're hey, done. we did it. Yeah, we're done. Shout out to the person said, that said they can't wait to hear their review on the show. I love you. That's like 20 people, so hopefully they got, they all felt the love. <laughs> and then when you read none of their reviews. All right, let's read some reviews. This one is from Anarchast14. It says, if you ain't listened to Sisters Who Kill, then what are you doing? Listen, y'all. I don't listen to true crime podcasts, but this podcast got me in a chokehold, honey. It is lit, fun, and real. I appreciate the in-depth. I appreciate how in-depth the research is and how dedicated they are to being consistent. Am I? Uh, yeah, because the way they've been getting these one. episodes, like I said, the most consistent thing in my life since soccer shit. In my adult <laughs> life. You're right. I feel like I'm talking with my girls, and I love it. Taz and Marah did the thing. <laughs> Angela Bassa did the thing. <laughs> um, I just killed my ex. Thank you I so much. I still love him, though. Sorry. Thank you so much for your review. <clears throat> this one says, 
Hey, ladies, just wanted to let you know that I love your podcast. I'm a true crime fanatic. I have an entire library of podcasts that I have listened to for several years, but when I came across Sisters Who Kill, I was hooked from the first listen. I've binged all previous episodes. I have not listened to any other podcast since I found you. I'm all caught up now, so I guess I'll go back to the library of podcasts and wait for Fridays. But anyhow, keep up the great work, ladies. Love you guys. Thanks. We love you, too. Thanks. This is where you close us out. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is the pod where you run away. Um, yeah, this is this is Sisters Who Kill. If you want to keep up with us, you can. I mean, literally every platform. Email sisterswhokill at gmail.com. Twitter, Sisters Who Kill. Instagram, Sisters Who Kill Pod. Freaking TikTok, Sisters Who Kill Podcast. Facebook, Sisters Who Kill. Double Facebook with the discussion group, Sisters Who Kill Podcast discussion group. You guys, they made a whole playlist of lit-ass fucking songs that are Sisters Who Kill related. You should check it out. You should. Uh, it's I in the discussion group. I that they put it on Apple Music, so it's available on Apple and Spotify. And YouTube, girl. They made a music video, so Y'all I'm better. definitely about to put it on the TV. Oh, now you can it. watch the Y'all, Testify video. Ooh, we, I, I need to, I actually have songs that I want them to add to it. I just haven't gotten around I know, to right? I gotta yet. leave my little comments. You guys, let me tell you a story. Okay, so me and Tazzy was away on a work trip when you guys, and we traveled the day that everybody in the discussion group was making. And I was like, Tazzy, they're making a playlist. And Tazzy was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. And so the next day, Tazzy and I are at our Airbnb and we're getting ready. And I'm like, Tazzy, you want to listen to the playlist? And she's like, what playlist? I'm like, they made a playlist. It's legit. And so we listened to it. And I was like, this is great. Like, everything that we're listening to is awesome. Um... And then we play, We were playing it the whole time that we were at our little special event that we were at while we were getting... I was about to say hair and makeup, but I'll just leave it there. We were, while we were at our special event. And it was such a great playlist, y'all, and I love it. Yeah. Except for y'all need the Kill Bill remix. Oh, I love the Kill Bill remix. Oh! Yeah, y'all can actually switch out regular Kill Bill for Kill Bill remix. Yeah, because uh, I love a story. She pulled out the knife, so I pulled out the blick. All right, we're done. All right. Bye, everybody. Okay, that's really it. Um, do you have anything else, friend? Talk to us. Do you want to back. tell the people that will be at CrimeCon? Oh, hey, people. Well, we'll be at CrimeCon. We will be on Podcast Row with our little boofy booth. And if you already have your tickets, then come holler at us. We're so excited, and it's all the way in September, so you have plenty of time. It'll be in Orlando, and maybe we'll find some fun thing to do. I don't know. But other than that, talk to us. We talk back. Okay, bye.